Eric, welcome to the podcast. It's really nice to connect with you. Before we started recording, we were just saying, when was the last time we talked? And it was like three years ago or something. And what you feel with the social media that you kind of still connected, you kind of know what the other mm. person is doing. So you have that connection, but I'm really glad to actually have an actual conversation with you. So thanks for being here and welcome. Yeah, it's so amazing. Uh, Pre-pandemic was our last. It's, it's quite something to be able to say the last time we spoke was pre-pandemic. Um, yeah, but it's great to be with you. Thank you for the invite. Sure. So um, to give our audience like a little bit of a context about who you are, because you have a very dynamic background and kind of where you started and where you are today. So give me a little snapshot of your career story. Sure. So uh, I guess my career started in about 2007. I graduated as a physical therapist or physiotherapist. Um, and pretty much immediately after that, like as I graduate, I realized that it's not really the thing that I wanted to do. Um, I, thought I, I thought it was, uh, and I, that's always one of the biggest challenges for us coming out of high schools. Like you think you know what you wanna do, but you don't really know what you wanna do. So you, you take your best stab at it. And for me, that was physiotherapy. So I leave varsity and start doing uh, work in private in the private sector in different hospitals but the moment I, I kind of hit the private sector I'm like well I need to find something else to do and and it really unleashes this entire journey for me of uh, learning WordPress uh, becoming good at digital analytics social media like I, I kind of start thinking that what I want to do is to be in the digital space I want to have uh, some sort of online business and so I'm experimenting that on the side and I'm still running the physio practice. And eventually I work my way up to the point where I own the practice, where I am head of rehab for a step-down facility. So a step-down facility is where people go to recover post-spinal injury or hip injury or knee surgery, like anything like that was quite intensive that needs a bit of rehab, you come to us for. So while that is then running, I finally stumble onto this thing called Better Man. That I, that I start and better man was me kind of going, you know, I've tried all these different digital products. Like, let me just come back all the things that would make me money quickly, like a directory site or drop shipping. Like I tried all of it. So I was just like, let me come back to the thing that I, that I really care about, which is self-development. And at that point I thought, well, better man was about me being a better man every single day. So it wasn't necessarily geared towards like, let me build a big community or anything like that around it. But that's what ends up happening is that I create better man, it just, it resonates with people. Um, I start thinking very actively, like, how do I grow this community? I start a daily email. The email takes off. Um, within a couple of years, like two years, I have 18,000 people subscribed to this daily email that I'm sending out. Uh, it, it's phenomenal. Like, I would send an email in the morning because it would go out every morning at 7. I would send it at 7. By the time, I, like, 8 o'clock arrives, I would have three, 400 emails in my inbox from people saying, you know, we love the email or whatever it may be. Um, the community grows and grows. They start, you know, start saying, can we do Facebook? Can we do events uh, in person? Can you do coaching? And at that time, I couldn't do any of those things. Um, but as an entrepreneur, you always say yes. And then you just kind of figure it out. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I can coach. And I started coaching a little bit. Um, then I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, let me do it properly. So I decided to do my master's degree in business and executive coaching. And that kind of gave me a bit more confidence in the field. And then they were like, can we do events? I was like, sure, let's do events. And I got back on stage and I was like sharing um, stories and ideas as the, as the founder of Better Man. And I realized how much I love that again. And, 
and kind of all of that just started pushing me more and more into the business sphere because I thought like if I'm going to do these kind of things I want to do it in a space where I can play with the best and I can play in the biggest leagues and so I had to make a transition out of better man and into the world of corporate because I ran into this very funny thing where people would say to me we want you to speak at our business but we're not sure if you can speak to women like because you're the founder of better man so I was like of course I can like there's no difference here but I had to, in a way, for my, for my personal brand to carry over into corporate, I had to make a clean cut from the better man uh, side of things. And so better man and physio sort of comes to an end at the same time, around 2017, 2018. And I segue into the world of business. And so since then, I've been uh, doing some executive coaching, although this year I'm actually kind of letting go of that altogether. Um, lots of speaking on stages, lots of sharing and curating insights for leaders working with leadership teams and that's kind of where i am at today is that my main focus is how do i curate and share insights for modern leaders mm. that's awesome what i love the most about your story is that you're you are you know you're like i'm not i'm not sure if i'm ready but i'm just gonna try this and you were just genuinely doing something you thought might be interesting to people and i think that's where it's at when it comes to entrepreneurship you just have to go with what you feel is the right thing and then evolve with it and see if it goes if it doesn't go and i think that's that that that's a great uh, takeaway because you know with a lot of you know people that are trying to go into entrepreneurship they almost overthink it you know, mm. so it's like, you just do it, like, just get started. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're probably going to change 10,000 times before you actually get to your final or not even final. I don't believe in a final, but before you get to that next thing. And, and that's, that's entrepreneurship at the end of the day. You know, it's so funny because uh, just before our call, I was speaking to a, a coach who's just like starting his journey into the coaching industry. And I'm like speaking to him like, like, so like how much coaching have you done? He's like, no, I've done no coaching, but I've been figuring out like my brand and who I want to be. And I'm like, but the problem is like, you haven't been building your skill. You've just been like, like spinning. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've just been spinning. Um, you know what I need to do is I need to go and figure out why I'm spinning. I'm like, no, no. What you need to do is you need to go and do something because the only way that you get to real clarity is by like execution. And like through that, you discover and you explore new things. So like, no. Don't go and figure out what is wrong or what is preventing you from taking action because that is just more of an excuse for you to spin around in your head. Just go and do something. Like I promise you, that is the best way for you to get to any level of clarity. And whatever you have in your mind that you think is clarity right now is going to be obliterated once you start doing things and you realize that actually there's an entirely new world that I'm discovering as I'm moving forward. Hey you, thanks for watching. If you're enjoying this episode, make sure to share it with friends and family who might find it interesting. Make sure to hit the subscribe button as well to stay up to date on weekly new videos that are gonna be coming out with some awesome guests that I bring on. And uh, if you have any questions, use the comment section to ask me questions, to interact. I look forward to talking to you. Moving forward. 100%, 100%. Uh, and uh, you know, um, this is where I very much appreciate your, your podcast as well. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the expensive podcast and every and because it challenges me every time I'm like man I was like there you there they go they're saying something again like you make me you know like things that are like okay stop stop bsing basically like actually this is the reality or like you know just get you to think in a different way and I love that and action it really comes down to action and um and and from a coaching perspective you know I, I'm a huge believer in, co in coaching and I think we all need it because we need somebody to like 
to just basically like have us own up to our own BS essentially, you mm. know, and it's, and it's not everybody that is able to do that. So to have the courage to be like, to listen to somebody else's or like to have somebody ask you questions or bring up certain things, you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just not doing the right thing and maybe or, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that taking action versus being in your own head is, is, is essential there. Um, so I, I want to kind of talk to you about some of the things you've been doing. So first of all, you're an author as well of several books, which I'm super impressed about because that wasn't the case. You, you were just kind of having some books when we first met. So you've done a lot of things since we last talked. But <laughs> one in particular, kind of the idea that you talk about is becoming dangerous. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, so talk to me about just give us a context again, like, what is it? What is this? Where did this come from to, to become dangerous? Mm. Yeah, so the book is coming out, that specific one is coming out in April. And wow, um, it, it's an idea that has really transformed my life. And I, I, it actually came out of a coaching conversation. So about three years ago, another like sort of pre-pandemic thing, I was speaking to this coaching client of mine and it was like the weirdest thing to observe because he was the CEO of a very successful company that about 600, 700 employees. Um, and everything in his life was going phenomenally well. You know, like you wouldn't look at him and go like, oh, there's something wrong. Like everything was going well. Like he's, his team was excelling. Um, he had a good relationship with his, his wife, with his kids. He was in a good, healthy state. But yet when he woke up in the mornings, he was waking up without excitement, without enthusiasm for the day. He wasn't feeling challenged. And it was quite clear to me that he was in survival mode. You know, and survival mode is both a physical and a mental thing. It can be a physical thing where you are literally like fighting for your life, fighting for your business, fighting to get money in for the end of the month. But it can also be a mental thing where things around you are going well, but mentally you get stuck into survival mode. And survival mode then has three characteristics. Like you are reactive to what's happening around you all the time. You are operating from fear, frustration, and anxiety. And the things you do in survival mode keep you in survival mode. Now, when I looked at that, I was like, well, survival mode here isn't the thing. It's just a symptom of the thing. Like there's something else happening here. And like in med school, they always draw that into us. It's like, when you see something, like don't assume that that's the cause and the symptom. Like the, the cause might be higher up in the kinetic chain when you're assessing the body. Like it might not be, you know, if someone has a knee injury, the cause might be coming from the glutes or from the back. But if you only treat the knee, then that is going to recur all the time. So I thought, well, what is the cause here? Like, what, what leads us to survival mode? Mm. And I remember sitting down and thinking one day, like I was just reflecting on it, and I, I just stumbled onto the word harmless, that we encounter all of these threats in our life, and often we aren't up to it. Um, or in his case, you know, you become complacent, and over time, it kind of dulls your skill and your senses. And so because of that, you run into these challenges, you don't have what it takes, they knock you back and you end up in survival mode. And I remember speaking to him about this and I said to him, you know, I think um, if I look at you, it feels to me like you are in survival mode and you're in survival mode because you've become harmless. Mm. And like, I could just see that moment, like it just like it dawned on him and he's like, I think you're right. Uh, that's, that's a good description for what I'm feeling. And so we spoke about it for a while and then I said, well, if you're not going to be harmless, then what are you going to be? And he said, dangerous. And like, 
the moment he said that, like, I just knew like this was something that, you know, it, it completely created a, a paradigm shift for me and for him. And I think what happened after that is that we defined a new state that's all about having agency in your life, that's all about becoming uh, a threat to the threat in your life, that's all about uh, rising to the level of your challenges. And since then, like, it, it's really changed my perspective on how I look at the, the challenges in my own life. So dangerous in a nutshell is to say, well, there are all these threats in our lives. And much of the success that you will achieve in life determines on how you respond to those threats. And by the way, when I say there are many threats, it's not a pessimistic thing to say. It's just reality that everything you love is being threatened in some way. Mm -hmm. So how you respond to those threats then matter. And if you don't have the skill or the will to take on a threat, then you're going to be harmless against that threat and you will end up in survival mode. And the alternative response to that is that you get to be dangerous, is that you get to be a threat to the threat and a danger to the danger. And if you can do that, you overcome your challenges and your threats. So you achieve your goals. But more than that, you also achieve a, a sense of personal transformation. Mm. And in a nutshell, that really is like, it, it's, my, it's like the biggest call to action that I have for people. It's like, don't be harmless, be dangerous. Like, have like something to you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's such an interesting concept. And 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 when, when I saw you talk about this, like this is so good. And you're right, it's so good. It's just, it's 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 fine. It's realizing that listen, things are just going to happen. So it's almost like how can you be proactive to to keep up with everything that's going to be coming your way? And the reality is, you know, kind of the more you grow on a personal and professional level, the more dangerous you have to become. Um, and and I I I think the the aspect of getting to the root cause is so important. And this is where, you know, in, in, you know this better than I do, like an organization and leadership, we put a bandaid on a broken leg, right? Like we're like, oh, there's, you know, and now there's this big push on well-being, which is beautiful. But then how do we solve well-being issues in organizations is we, we give them Fitbits and a yoga mat and we say, okay, now as an organization, we've done our job, but really you're just putting a bandaid on a broken leg. And the cause is mm. actually having these conversations with your people, having one-to-one -one individual chats and really understanding what is each individual in your organization is essentially looking for when it comes to well-being at work, et cetera. But so, so I think on a personal level and also on an organizational level, getting to the root cause is step number one in everything. Um, yeah. and, and so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. So like, how, I guess, because you work with a lot of leaders. And so I'm just curious, like how, how, how open are people to, oh, no, I guess not how open, but let's say there's a senior leader who is, who is kind of being, feeling stuck. Like what are, what are some things they can do to get to that root cause? Because fear is a big aspect of most things like it's usually fear is the root cause of not taking action and, and stuff like that so like what what have you seen as beneficial for them or what have you seen as the biggest obstacles uh for for leaders at least yeah i think the very first thing is that you have to admit to yourself that you are stuck in survival mode um because it's not a great place to be right and like kind of embedded in that is that if you are in survival mode it's because in some way you were actually inadequate for the threat like there was something about you that didn't live up to the expectation of that challenge or that threat and because of that you are in survival mode um because that's the only place where we get stuck like you are stuck in survival mode so admitting that becomes the very first step but often 
um, it's not even that people are unwilling to admit it. It's just that it's so invisible. Mm. You know, like when I spoke to that client of mine, like he was doing well, you know, he was a, he was a victim of complacency, but it's still because of his success, you know, and I mean, we see this with organizations all the time is that their success is actually their downfall because the complacency means that you take your foot off the gas. So you are no longer as threatening as you used to be. And so the other threats that emerge in your environment easily overtake you, they easily swallow you whole. So you can either be kind of a shorthand is that you can be a victim of complacency or a victim of circumstance. And both those things can put you into survival mode. But coming back to what you were saying, like, so the first thing is admit to yourself that you are in survival mode. The second thing is then to do a threat assessment because you need to accurately assess, and this is what you were saying about like getting to the root cause, you need to accurately assess what is the threat here. And like often the threat is internal and we think it's external mm -hmm. and often the threat is internal and we think it's or, or vice versa. We think it's external. So we need to like be clear about where does the threat lie? And then on top of that is that there are many different types of threats, you know, um, some threats are small, but they accumulate in size. Other threats are very big and like they have the potential to sink you straight away. So you need to be able to prioritize them as well. But what I typically see is that we don't even have an idea of the things that are threatening us because when you are in survival mode, there might be many things. So you need to be kind of clear on my threat assessment says, these are the one, two, three things that I need to pay attention to. And the moment you have that, the moment you know exactly what your threat is, you then start putting a plan together for overcoming that threat. And it's actually in the process of putting together your plan that you then become dangerous. And actually, you know, we see this all the time if we go back to like movies, for example. Um, there's this great idea about the hero's journey that says, you know, um, every hero leaves their known world that's comfortable to them and they go into the unknown. And at some point, they come into contact with the villain, the monster, the threat, the danger. And often, in that first interaction, they lose. They don't have what it takes. They're not good enough. And then they have to go back. They have to go and build that belief in themselves. They have to go get better, faster, stronger. Uh, they have to do more training. And what you're actually seeing when you see that is the process of becoming dangerous. And then once they've gone through that process and they encounter the threat again, they have what it takes and they overcome the threat because they've become a threat to the threat and a danger to the danger. And so that's kind of, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's almost a shortcut for like personal evolution is that, you know, where do I begin? How do I improve myself? Well, identify your threat and become the kind of person that can overcome that threat. And in doing that, um, your threat becomes your biggest invitation to your better self. Mm. I love the whole idea of becoming, like you've said it several times, and I think that's, it just comes down to that. Like you almost have to become this next version of yourself to that, you need to rise to a specific level, right? To to be the person that you need to be to face the, the threat or, or, or whatever the circumstances are. So another question then is as you're, so, what, what at least what I see in some interactions that I have is that people like, okay, well, I really want to get to that next level, but then their environment is limiting them. So, and, and I've actually was just having this conversation with somebody and I said, well, you know, I was like, you can't get out. You cannot be here if your environment is keeping you here and environment can be, it could be uh, as simple as your surroundings in terms of geographical area. Maybe it's the people around you. Maybe it's the industry that you're in, et cetera. 
So what do you think about that? Do you feel like sometimes we have to just disconnect from everything that we know? And how do you feel? About yeah, that? I, th I think you are spot on. I've been actually thinking about that quite a lot myself because, um, and I mean, you would have gone through this too because you uh, also relocated. But I, I moved from Johannesburg to Cape Town uh, end of last year. And if I look at my, my routine at the moment, I'm so much healthier. I'm so much more focused. I'm also so much more relaxed. And I 100% put that down to the fact that my environment is so different. Mm. Um, where, where we were in Joburg, like we had a nice enough house. Um, it was, but, but we were so stuck in our routine in that house. And unfortunately, I think because of the pandemic, because of like everything that happened around us over the past two years, I feel like that routine devolved instead of evolved. You know, like it, it just became this very monotonous process that we were going through. And the moment we, we yanked ourselves out of that environment and we put ourselves in an environment where the ocean is like eight minutes away, um, we have the most beautiful like nature reserves to take the dogs to like eight minutes away. Uh, the sun here goes down at 8.30 at night. So like when, when you're done with your day at five, it feels like you move into the third part of the day where you can do more things because the sun is still up for like, like I literally, the craziest thing to me, maybe this won't be like appeal to you or your listeners, but if you're a golfer, it'll appeal to you. So yeah. like if you play golf, it takes you about three to four hours if you can move really quickly. Like you, you'll play it about three to four hours um, for 18 holes. So usually the last tee off that you would play would be somewhere around like two o'clock and then you'd finish at five, it's getting dark, you can't see the ball anymore. Yeah. Here, I've literally teed off at five o'clock with a friend, finished at eight o'clock at night. And we were still like, can you believe we can, like, we can still see the ball? Like what the hell's happening here? Like, it feels like there's an entire extra part of the day, but all of that is enabled by the environment. And it's like, it's a tough thing to think about because it means that our environment dictates a lot of our behavior. And how do we change our environment when it can, it, like, it can be quite a big thing to change? Like surely small ways to change it. And I think we have to be creative because we can't just relocate every now and then. But I think it also, so, so the one thing is like, how can you find creative ways to change your environment? I guess the, the cliche example here is like, if you're on a diet, remove all the sugar from your house so that there's no temptation there. Like, so, so small ways that you can kind of nudge your behavior in the right direction by tweaking your environment. But I also think it should give us more empathy for people who are in uh, less than ideal environments. Because can you imagine how tough it must be like to transcend an environment that is really uh, pushing you down, holding you back? Right. I often wonder like if I was born into a, a different kind of environment, would I have had the willpower to rise above that? Be like knowing that your environment has such a gravitational pull on you. Um, yeah, so I think those two things have been kind of playing in my mind a lot. Did you see that, like that your environment like totally changed your routine and for the better? Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. And um, and it, the transition took like a year. So I was like kind of thinking about this and, and testing it out and saying, okay, is this really, because you don't know, you can imagine and you always think the grass is greener on the other side and there's pros and cons in every location that you're at, but it's like, but after a while, you're like, okay, this is the right choice. And I think just experimenting with, with it and kind of, you know, listening to like, does it feel right for you? Um, I, I think that played a big role. And I, I agree. I think that certain situations and certain individuals just don't have the same access. And I see this 
And part of the reason I wanted to relocate back to the States is because it's a little bit more of a reality. And this is what I've noticed, Eric, like, just like, I mean, this is going to sound so silly. And I, I but so what I, so I moved places now, but when I first came to the US, I was, I was renting a studio and, and it was during the winter time it was so dark. And I was like, oh my God, because, you know, I was living in Dubai. So to give context, just in case people didn't know for eight years, sunny, okay it's hot most of the time but it's sunny it's always sunny like the weather's just always good like from that side and then when I moved here and a couple of things I've realized that I missed out being in Dubai Dubai is a beautiful city by all means like I, I, you know but certain things you miss out on and it's those little reality checks and a little bit of struggle that I think is healthy so one part of when I was living in the studio, I didn't have a car at that time. And I was walking everywhere. I was like using public transportation and I was walking to my boxing gym, which was across. And I remember I was walking and it was like rainy and cold. And I was like, you know what? And I kind of appreciated the little discomfort that I felt because I haven't felt discomfort like that because everything is so convenient in Dubai. And it sounds silly, but when you're in this bubble, you realize how comfortable you get and how soft you get. And you're like, oh my goodness, like, am I really complaining to myself about walking in the rain? Like, this is, this is silly. This is ridiculous. And so I kind of, when I recognized it, I was like, oh, I was like, I, I think this is kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have this little mm. struggle. I know mm. it sounds silly, but it's, it's for somebody who's been in Dubai in this bubble, it was an impact. And also, recognizing that again in places like the uae again which i appreciate and it's comfortable and safe but there's a specific profile of individuals that come to uae so you don't see and what i've realized coming here and meeting different people i've realized i'm missing out on a whole profile of people that don't have the same access that and again it sounds so now like i i you know because i know better but you can't help when you're in a certain environment and it's like well yeah of course people struggle but you don't recognize mm. it until you're actually having those conversations and you're like oh my God, people have different lifestyles and different profiles because you get very, like, you know, very um, uh, deep down into your environment. And so in Dubai, it was a place that did that. It was, and it's very like, it's a bubble and everybody knows it. We all know it, you know? So it has its beautiful things, but I think what it misses is that reality check. So personally, from my personal experience, when I came back to the US, seeing the struggle, seeing the lack of access, the, the, the significant inequality that happens I think it's healthy to see those things because it gives you a different perspective. Yeah. But anyway, so I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah, but I'll I'll pause here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's victim of complacency. And the complacency, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. The complacency makes you soft. You know, and and that's what I like, that's what I saw in that client of mine. It's like you just you kind of lose um, the motivation that you might have had at some point to fight harder to become tougher, to learn new skills. Like it just becomes, everything just becomes too easy. And I mean, we've actually seen, or I've at least seen like quite a few articles and podcasts and things talking about this fact that we are so coddled in the world that we aren't challenged. And like it just, the only way we grow is through challenge. Um, I remember seeing a post today again about someone who said something like, um, next time you encounter a challenge, don't moan about the challenge remember that the challenge would help you to grow. Mm -hmm. And it, it's such a cliche thing to say, but, but ultimately it's just, it's very, very true that the more we can reframe our threats as opportunities, what kind of struck me is that, um, you know, when you start thinking about an idea, like everything runs through that idea all the time. So I thought about when I went to business school for the first time 
and I was introduced to the SWOT framework, right? And like you have strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it's so elegant that they are right next to each other because that's exactly what they are. It's like, they're not, they're not in opposition to each other. Like your opportunities are your threats and your threats are your opportunities. So I think it's a, it's, there's a great synergy there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. I feel like as a, as a world as well, like a society in many ways, we're becoming softer and I don't, and it's great that we're comfortable and it's great that we have certain things and et cetera, but I feel like it's limiting in other ways as well, because we've, we, we've taken this idea of comfort and the fact that, you know, uh, you know, hunger is not, is not a biggest concern in the world today. It is in some parts of the world, but it's on a, on a larger scale, our, our societal problems got smaller in some aspects, but then I feel like we're not managing them enough, but you know, th mm. then it's like it's transitioning to impacting other areas of our life, which is, you know, just I mean, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, but I just feel like challenge is good, struggle is good to an extent. So, of course, to an extent. So I don't mean to be dissensitive to people that are going through struggles by any means, but I'm talking about the majority of the world, people that are listening to this podcast, people that are our audiences working in multinational corporations. The reality is that we all are way privileged. We have all the access and opportunities available to us. And that's the audience that really is that I'm speaking to. Um, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's just like recognizing those challenges as, as opportunities for growth. And what, what bothers me today is that the young people, the fresh graduates coming out, and you know, I feel strongly about this, the whole, the gap that's happening between world of universities and education systems and the corporate world, we have built them, I don't want to say soft, but we've become so soft that by the time they get to corporate, they don't know how to 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 manage the day-to-day -day struggle of mm. being an employee and working and working hard and now there's this notion of you know well-being and that's important but to what extent like do, to what extent is it focusing on well-being versus are we managing our time appropriately are we taking care of our bodies are we taking care of what we eat who we spend time with like all the basics that are essential mm. for us to be resilient in at work and etc but whole other podcast on its own um but yeah <laughs> have, have you heard of learned helplessness uh yes yes you have um so uh, let me tell your audience about it then Please, so yeah. um so learned helplessness is the idea that obviously like uh people over time can be taught to be helpless mm -hmm. and it's actually something they use in in torture because they want people to feel like with without my intervention as the the person who's torturing you like there's no hope for you so mm -hmm. it's a very effective um mental mechanism for hopelessness and i remember when like again back in my student days we walked into the uh, the room of a patient and we were with my lecturer at the time like a, like a group of us and we were watching a patient being um, handled by nurses so they were doing observations on them so like uh, sats blood pressure heart rate all those kind of things and the nurse very like lovingly and caringly went and picked up the guy's food and brought it over to him and started feeding him. And it's like, it's a very like nursing like thing to do, right? Like very caring thing to do. And the lecturer freaked out. She's like, what are you doing? Like, how are you like feeding this patient? And it turns out that like he had a knee replacement, right? And like, there's nothing wrong with his hands. He can feed himself. Mm -hmm. But very often through wanting to help other people, we actually strip them of their power. We coddle them to the point where they start thinking that they don't have the power or the agency to influence their own lives. And so like what you get taught then in, in med school is that you let someone struggle to the point where they can't struggle no more and then you help them. 
and with small things, right? Like someone drops a, like a new replacement patient sitting, he drops a spoon on the floor. You don't just rush and grab it for him. You let them like figure it out. You let them like see what they can do. Like how do they maneuver, figure it out. And then that like it, it um, in a way, it also protects their dignity. And so I think a, a, a similar thing happens in the world is that if we want to rescue people all the time, if we want to protect them from what's happening in the world around them, then we don't allow them to develop the agency muscle, the, um, the rigor to fend for themselves. And I think that's a big challenge, especially in a world that's becoming more and more comfortable, more and more safe. Mm -hmm. Safety is actually the most dangerous thing here. Mm -hmm. um, there's this great quote from, um, who was it? Um, for, I think it was Nietzsche. He said, um, To live dangerously is the most, I, I'm paraphrasing it now. Like, mm -hmm. I, it's so funny because I have the slide in my talk and I can like visualize the slide, but I can't see the words okay. right now. <laughs> but it's something about the, like the lines of um, live dangerously for it is the most fruitful and exciting way to live your life. Yeah. And then he says something along the lines of like, build your cities on the slopes of Vesuvius and send your, your ships into uncharted seas. And I think what he understood all the way back then is that a safe life is a boring life and a safe life is a mundane life and a safe life means that there's probably not much growth that's happening there and so the only way that we get to escape that is that we have to expose ourselves to the threats and the challenges that are around us and they are, they are there all the time mm. but we need to uh, be willing to face them and as we do that then we get to sort of call out the better part of ourselves yeah and you know and I, I struggle with this and i keep going back and forth in a sense that like okay well maybe not everybody wants to be having this you know the you know maybe not everybody wants to have this career or start a bit of become an entrepreneur and i think that's fair but i also feel that at some point and i wonder how much of it again environment has to do with it so and and I'm, i mean i'm just biased because everybody in my network are very kind of driven and entrepreneurs because that's 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 what i enjoy and that's where i grow the most and so that's naturally what i attract to my network but then other people maybe they don't have that but i just always struggle like i'm wondering if it's if they were in a different environment would they actually be like oh there's more to this and i could do something else and i haven't thought about this so we don't know what we don't know right and it's and i feel like if you don't put yourself in that situation like and when people say like well i'm happy i'm like okay well that's fine and maybe that's fine but if you have even a thought of like things that you think you might want to try i'm like put yourself in that situation prove yourself right or wrong whichever way but at least try it so that you know because i feel at some point in life it's gonna hit right like this is but this is just my my my, my thought on it um what do you think about that yeah when i was doing think week um so i ran this program called think week where like for a week long um i take people through different ideas to meditate on because i feel like we are living in this world where there's so much content that we don't really consume it we we think we we learn from it but actually we just glance at the information and then we move on again with our lives we don't spend enough time for it to become ingrained in how we think and how we do things and so i ran think week as a way of saying like let's slow down all together and let's look at your life through the filter of these ideas that I've curated for you. And the one day, the one specific day, the fourth day was about like your future and, and what does that look like crafting your future? And I remember having so many people like it, it was so um, not polarizing, but it was like disjointed in a way because 
some people would have these big, big goals, right? Like I want to be like a global speaker and earning and dollars and have these like supercars and whatever, whatever. And then other people would be like, I don't have that. Like, I just want to be, I just want to have like a life where I'm happy and satisfied and whatever. Like, and for a while I was trying to make sense of it and kind of where I landed is that you do you, like you, you do what, what you feel is right for you. The only caveat is it should not be informed by fear. So if you say to me, you know, all I want is to like live in my house with my family and like, I'm, I'm content with that. I'm also, con- I'm happy for you if that's the truth. Mm. But if you are lying to yourself, if there's a bit of like, and we're good at that, right? We're good at lying to ourselves. If there's some fear that like, I'm not going to be good enough to do X, Y, Z, or I'm like, I'm too afraid to launch this thing. And therefore I'm saying as an excuse, oh no, I'm fine here. I'm fine here. Then that's a problem. That's something you need to pay attention to because that's not going to go away. And at some point that will implode on you. So if you are clear and you're happy, cool. If you align to yourself because you don't want to take the risk and go for the, like the, um, the scary thing to do, then that's a problem. I'll also say that I think actually coming back to the idea of being dangerous, I think everyone has that primal pull in them to mm-hmm. want to be dangerous, to want to experience excitement and you know, I'm very clear in the book as well that being dangerous is not about being your best. I'm not trying to say be your best because sometimes the threat might be quite a small thing that doesn't require you to be heroic, right? It's mm-hmm. just like yeah. apply yourself. And other times the threat might actually require you to be your best. So like, yes, there might be times when that is called for. But most of the times, like I think if you just apply yourself and change how you think, feel and do things, you can become a threat to the threat without having to be your best mm. yeah yeah i think I, I think that that that's a very good point i love that you know like do you and and, and that's what i always think like as well i'm like you know what, let's just let people do what they want to do but uh, and again maybe i'm just biased because i feel like again because of the work that that i do it seems that so many people operating out of a state of fear and so and that's that's a that's a great takeaway is to say like do you but just make sure you're doing it from the right place and like it's not out of fear and um yeah, absolutely. Because life, I feel like life is too short yet too long to to live and not do something you enjoy, and too short to to for the same reason. So it's mm. um, yeah. So that, that that's really really good. Um, so listen, I feel like I can spend hours talking to you. Um, and um, but I wanted to also um, see if you can share kind of where do you hang out with on social media. You have great content out there, so much of it. Um, when is your book coming? I definitely want to read it. Um, tell me a little bit more. Thank you. So uh, I guess the, the first protocol would be the expansive podcast that I do with John Sonne, a good friend of mine, um, that comes out once a week. So uh, we really enjoy hosting the podcast and I think it also comes through in the delivery of it. So uh, people can go check that out. And then erickruger.com kind of links you to everything else. Um, but where I, I most like to hang out is actually on YouTube and on LinkedIn. So people can connect to me there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of your podcast. It's really, um, I, I mean, I, like I told you uh, before, I said, I, this is something about, like when I'm working out in the morning or something, or I need like a little, like, uh, I need somebody to check me because that's what I feel like you guys do. You say certain things. Like, I feel like I, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I think I'm doing all right in this aspect. And then I, I see a topic and I was like, oh my God, I know if I listen to this, they're going to make me <laughs> triple think everything. They're going to make me be like, damn it. 
this is not, and, and it happens every time and I appreciate it um, so much. It's like <laughs> having mentors and coaches in that, you know, 20, 30 minute episode that you guys do is so impactful. Uh, and um, I, I, I truly, truly mean it. It's, it's one of the best things I listen to. It's one of my top podcasts. Um, and, Amazing. Uh, Thank you so much. It, it's very, very good. Um, so I definitely highly recommend for people to listen to it. So anyway, I look forward to your book. Um, final question. I just want to ask you that I ask everybody, if you had a magic wand, um, uh, to make something happen in the work and the mission that you have, what would you like to see happen in the world or in your, in your world? Oh, that's a, that's a very big and loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess something that's like top of mind for me, I don't know if this is like, um, it's not really to do with my work, but like the one thing on top of mind of me is like, I just saw this dude from West Ham. I don't know if you saw that, um, that abused this like cat. It's like, I don't want to like end this podcast on a somber note, but, <laughs> but I, I would wave the one that like um, abolish animal abuse. I think, I think that's what I would do. That's kind of top of mind for me at the moment. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. that. Animals are the best. Um, yeah. All right, uh, and you have two beautiful dogs, which were yeah, there yeah. earlier in the beginning, and then <laughs> yeah. they went away. But you Looking can check them out side, on yeah. your Instagram. I love. I, I follow your Instagram just to see your dogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, thank you so Ooh, much. Again. Thank you so much. It, and uh, we speak soon. Thank you. Bye bye.